You're listening to the Driven by Design Now Award podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me here in Reykjavik is Kirsten Mann. Hey, Mark. How are you? <laughs> Kirsten, I'm fantastic. So, so listeners, we've uh, we've wound up here in Reykjavik because we're doing pre-production for next year's Expedition to a Better Future. Oh, and this when you see this in action, you can just tell this event is going to be amazing. So let's just give some context about the event. Okay. So the it's this is about the future of transport. It's got 30 of the world's rail top rail chief architects. Mm-hmm. It's got 30 of the world's top designers, engineers, architects, the people who are going to shape how transport works. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be 10 surprises that are in. This is about 70 people coming here for three days in Reykjavik. And it's an invite-only event. There might be some reservers, but I must say it's one of the most exciting things I think I've ever done. So this is going to be basically the design leaders who are designing a better future are all coming to Reykjavik next year for this event. And what's really interesting, like these rail chief chief architects, they move over 150 million people every day. The population of Iceland is 375,000. I actually know 355,000. So it's like... In the first minute of the of the day, they've moved that many people. It is <laughs> bizarre. Like, well, and we should mention actually, we're in um, one of the. Oh, we're in Mott Hall. Yeah, so yeah. this is one of the key places people will be checking out when they're here. But that's why there'll be a bit of ambient noise in the background. Yeah, and, and Mott Hall used to be the central bus terminus, and so yeah. it's interesting to go see that they've gone and that they've taken a piece of transport infrastructure that wasn't needed for modern bus um, circulation patterns. And they've repurposed it to go have additional future to the to the city, and it's put a really interesting, you know, a visitation place, a place for people to go and have some of their entertainment and socialising in a part of a part of Reykjavik that normally didn't have that. It's amazing. Well, and let's get into our first um, award today because it's actually linked to transportation as well, isn't That's it? That's right. We're going we're going subways, but we're or metros. We're going to Copenhagen to Cityringen now. What I love about this project is it's actually showing how to create a better future takes time sometimes, right, and planning. So when we think about this, this has probably been – this project is the new railway system that's coming into Copenhagen. And um, basically it's going to be, if you think about it, it's taken far, anywhere from five to 15 years to plan and then 12 years to build. But what they've done is they've basically worked out how do they get transportation – within 600 metres of all residents through this train system. And, you know, we know that if you're looking at the walkability of a city, mm-hmm. it's about uh, city blocks being no more than 400 metres in, in diameter. Uh, we also know that if people are more than 800 metres away from key transport, that they're not going to go use mass transit. So this year, as far as bringing it down to 600 metres, probably for Copenhagen, that's a, that's about the right threshold because people in Denmark are used to living in slightly denser cities and so that it's been well planned in that sense. But this delivers to Copenhagen a transport system for a city that is growing and also wants to work out how to efficiently move people around without using cars. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So I think it's something that, you know, you've been watching for a while and actually seeing it come to life now as well. Yeah, I haven't had the pleasure to go ride it yet, but um, I'm sure if I haven't ridden the Copenhagen, you know, new subway system before we do the the Future Transport Summit, I might have a few questions to answer. So I've got to go do that. You've got to do that too. Well, we're going to go from Copenhagen to the UK to a project called Box House. Now, Box House to me is that, so there's two parts to Box House. There's Box House, but Box House uses a 
building system called U-Build. So it's basically prefab. Well, I need to qualify what the prefab is. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a do-it-yourself building technology. That's what U-Build is. Mm-hmm. It's CNC routed um, uh, plywood panels mm-hmm. and it's designed so that you can self-build and in the self-build save about 40% on the project, and I think this project that we're looking at, uh, it, its market value for the quality of the build of the house is around five hundred thousand pounds, including the plot. Mm-hmm. But it was able to be delivered at three hundred thousand, which, at a forty percent saving, if you go think you've got to have a lot of pay rises for that, you've got to have very low interest rates to go counter that forty percent. This is probably one of the biggest economic shifts in people's lives, and so. From that point of view, you build to me is it allows people to get into a better future. The quality of the house that they can have, the amenity has been lifted because they've got this forty percent benefit that comes through. Well, it's it's pretty incredible because they're able, so they're giving people able to afford a better future, but also it's this great footprint on the environment because there's way less waste that's been produced through this. And um, basically people can actually, they're consuming fewer resources and changing economic cycles. So it's becoming more efficient to build that better future, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we we need to look there at waste on building sites. Mm -hmm. So if you go have a modular home which is delivered on the back of a truck, the waste there is substantially less. Mm -hmm. If you go have a standard wet site, you know, or stick site that's been built by carpenters and concreters on on, spot, on the site. It has a huge waste profile. This sits somewhere in the middle between those. It's close to the factory build, but it's incredibly efficient financially. It's a, efficient on its sustainability. You know, I think the interesting thing here is that we're seeing another option that goes into this idea of um, uh, modular housing. And I know, Kirsten, you and I have talked about modular housing before. And one of the challenges for many modular housing systems is transportation. Completely. This is flat pack. This is basically, it can be delivered in the back of any ute. It's IKEA, it's big scale. It's houses, yeah. And uh, <laughs> look, um, it was featured on uh, Grand Designs. And it's a brilliant project. I do recommend you take a look at the videos. Um, it's a, it's a pretty awesome. Well, I think from building, we're going to bagging, which so we've got buyer bag. Now, this actually has come out of Adelaide in Australia. And initially, when you see the video on this one, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, there's so many applications for this. Now, you're a huge fan of how do we eliminate plastic, right? And what they've done here, and currently they're applying it to cucumbers of all things, but um, it's really like a packaging replacement and it is compostable. So it's not biodegradable, it's compostable. Now, I think it's important we explain the difference between yeah, those two. And so I think the listeners, I'm, I'm going to go into a bit of nerdery here, mm-hmm. the difference between compostable and biodegradable. So everything that is compostable, is biodegradable. The difference is to be called compostable, it must happen in one compost cycle. So that means it goes in and then it actually will be broken down very quickly. One of the challenges about people thinking about is something biodegradable. Biodegradable could mean 200 years to degrade, not 20,000. I don't think people get that. They think, oh, I'm doing something that's biodegradable and don't realise that is a long cycle still. Every turtle's dead by the time the biodegradable cycles happen. Compost means it's actually broken down in one cycle. So it's kind of like the, the gold standard 
uh, biodegradable is compost. So what they've done is they've produced this in this in this film, and basically it means that you could replace things like Tupperware containers and everything with this film to keep food fresh. Yeah, I think this is more about the. Um, at the, its current implementation is probably more suited to think of it as a replacement for plastic films in in the wholesale to mm-hmm. retail um, phase. Yep. It's likely that it's going to be a while until this product is available as a plastic film replacement at home, mm-hmm. but it's definitely available for people who have a um, plastic wrap plant, which is what cucumbers currently use, yep. and you can take the plastic film out and go and put in a bio or a compostable um, film to go make sure that the cucumber has been protected. And there's multiple reasons why cucumbers have a film on them and part of it is to actually make them more resilient during the transportation cycle and handling. So, you know, it's great to see this originated because a wholesaler for cucumbers said he wanted to make a better future and it's great to go see that that one input, you know, one thought now finds its way into giving us new options. It's fantastic. And and I think we're going on a slightly different tangent now. Now, this project is called Smartons. And it's one of those things where you look at this and you think, okay, this is interesting because it's got many applications, but accessibility is it's def- definitely one of them. And as we've talked about, the problem with accessibility and, and the things that people are doing, they just don't scale, right? So it's one-off applications, it's it, they're usually quite expensive and they're not really adaptable to other means. And what these guys have done is they're working through and saying, how do we actually adapt this so it can be used for all different sorts of situations? Now, to paint the picture, if people don't go and check out the website, which I think we always encourage people to do with actually, videos. Actually, this is where we actually say, shh. <laughs> I just want to look at you. Look at the website. That's <laughs> what we website. want you to go do. It's a is, phrase that we've heard in Iceland a few times. Go, Stop talking, guys. <laughs> Hit pause. I just want to look at your website. Yeah, okay. That's what we're going to do. And um, when you go there, you kind of see that anybody who's got kids who play with the Lego robotics, it looks a bit like that, right, that you're basically applying these robotics to light switches and all different types of applications. So people who with Older, aged, either aged or people with um, disabilities or accessibility issues can use these to activate the environment, basically. And I'll give you the, the utilization cycle that I see for this is, you know, in the last 20 years, I've had multiple uh, peop- senior people to me where I've been around at dinner and I've seen them have a a need for a remote control to make their life a bit easier. They're trying to juggle three or four remote controls. I know I can go down to any store, any hardware or electrical store and get a universal remote control. I can then train the remote control, get rid of the five devices. So they might see the button that says TV, hit that. See the button that says DVD, hit. See the one that says music. And I've made their life better and simpler. I've, I've actually accelerated their capacity to, to live tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I can't do that with switches. I can't do that with dials. And what I think Spartans have done here is that they've given that same universal remote moment and I suppose their next challenge is how do they go get it that it's going to be stocked in that distribution channel strategy so it's, a, it's got ubiquity and availability there. That's the, the next part. But recognising they've done something amazing as a start, the fact that they had the, the courage to do it, now we have to see how does the channel accelerate so it's available so that people like me who are having dinner with, uh, with somebody that they care about 
can go out and create that impact. Well, and I think that leads us nicely to our final project this week. And this is, when I saw this, you see projects that just absolutely move you. And LEQ is one of those. Now, and again, it's something that is so simple in concept and you think there's a lot of things around that are kind of like this at the moment, but what these guys have done is it's basically a robot device and um, a bit like mentioned that it's responding to voice command and things, but it's companionship and connection for older people. And so they've really set this up as a companion where, and I really encourage you to go and look at the site on this one because there is this can video that's the cheesy promotional one, but they've also provided testimonial videos from people who've been beta testing this. And it is just extraordinary, isn't it? It's one of those ones I think we've both watched and thought, this is amazing. It's got this human element to it. Yeah, and that, and that, that human moment yes. that's in there because so much of accessibility or aged care is actually a dignity challenge. Mm. And this highly complex challenges, right? Like you're dealing and so nuanced half the time. And they have it. That's the key. They've done it with dignity. And I've been blown away to see the dignity moments that they've got in this because that's that's fascinating to see that they're able to go get those cues. Generally, when we we look at aged care, it's actually about the lack of dignity. That is, mm. people will talk about the service level wasn't right. It was actually their dignity was lost. And so explain to people what it is. It's been like a robot with a bit of personality. Well, I suppose many people would have seen the movie Her. Yeah. So it's Her, which isn't as creepy. Yeah, for older people. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the idea is that people who are living alone – that they then have somebody who's prompting and giving them the companionship and helping them to connect as an as a, a concierge agent to the world that they're living in. And I think it's fantastic because that's one of the things that often a life partner does for you is they remind you of small little things yeah. and that's what LEQ is helping them out with. It's a beautiful project and highly recommend. Go and check out the resources on our website. So, Kirsten, we know this is the point everyone have to say, shh, just go look at the website. Okay. <laughs> That's the one. And then what I also want to make sure that people start to do is tell us about projects that you're seeing. You know, we, we, we're seeing something like 10,000 projects a year now through the Driven by Design Awards, but we know there's probably twenty or 30,000 out there. We want to know. We're hungry. Yep. So please let us know. And also keep an eye out for the idea of the exp- expedition uh, to, to Reykjavik that we're doing next year. It's going to be a phenomenal event. We're going to have a few places available. We want to make sure we've got the people who actually are going to make that change and a huge impact in what transport will look like. It's going to be so exciting. I can't wait. So this is the end of our second year. I know. It's like this is it's a big fun. high five moment. It's been great. Listeners, thank you for your support and attention because that's brilliant to all of the creators that have been here. But we're going to take a little bit of a break and we'll be back in February in 2020. Unbelievable. Thanks for having me on the journey, Mark. It's been awesome. Thanks, Kirsten.